Pulp MX Network production. Josie's on a vacation far away. Come around and talk it over. So many things that I want to say. You know a new view from inside the truck. X-Racer to Racer and Eye to Eye. A casual look into the personalities of the sport and an experienced perspective into the action from week to week. It's Jason Thomas's Industry Seating. Presented by Pirelli Tires and brought to you by Blenzall, Plum Tree Funding, Works Connection, and Fly Racing. Welcome to Industry Seating. It's Sunday. Tampa was yesterday. I've been flying all day. That is a serious flight back here. It's a little over six hours from Tampa to Seattle, well, actually Orlando to Seattle. And then uh, sat there for a minute and then flew back to Boise another hour. So I've been on a plane all day long. Got back here, just uh, made some coffee and watching the Daytona 500. The weather sucks here. Uh, it's beautiful in, in Tampa all weekend. So thankful for that. It's, uh, I still have a house there that has rented out, but it was nice to be back and see my parents and got to see a lot of friends and stuff, which was awesome and flew back into wind and rain and winter mix and yeah, all kinds of nasty stuff. But, uh, I am happy to be home. I am happy to be watching, uh, yeah, Daytona 500. It's always interesting. And I am more excited to talk about what we saw last night in Tampa. Pretty good racing, pretty interesting day. Obviously the 250 East kicked off and that had, there was a lot to talk about there, a lot of storylines and a lot of more really questions than we had answers going in, which I always love. And I, th- I thought it delivered, uh, you know, kind of what we expected on some ends, but there were, uh, there were some surprises too, I think. Uh, before we get into that, I want to thank all the sponsors that make industry seating possible. Uh, Pirelli Tires, Blenzall Oils, Plum Creek Funding, Works Connection, and of course, Fly Racing. I'll get into those uh, sponsors a little bit more later, but I, I certainly want to thank them for sticking by my side and believing in this podcast. And um, yeah, it's been a learning experience, but we're having fun with it. But anyways, on Tampa, 250 class, uh, it was certainly what I was the most excited for because it was a whole new crop of riders. And you know, we had been talking about it all week, whether it was on uh, Fantasy Podcasts or wherever you happen to hear it. We'd been talking about how deep this 250 East field was, you know, at the front and you always have to qualify it, right? It's not the 450 class, but when you're talking comparatively about the 250 class, it's one of the deepest 250 classes I can ever remember. And that's really what we saw on Saturday. Uh, I'm sure Shane McElrath is sitting back and going, what do you mean deep field? Because he kind of ran through everyone on Saturday. Uh, you know, he was in a battle there for the, the fastest qualifying position. But once the racing really got underway, he made his life much easier than some of the other guys did. Uh, he grabbed two hole shots. He led both first laps. And I don't want to say he was unchallenged, but he kind of was unchallenged. Um, I really felt that was what was going to happen going in. Uh, I called it several times just because I've seen it from him so many times in the past where he comes out at these opening rounds whether it's Anaheim one or Tampa or what have you, he's been able to win early in the series and really kind of put himself in a good position. What's happened from there 
hasn't always mirrored what happened at the beginning. So that's really what I see from Shane is he's got to change the narrative on how he goes down the stretch because if he can do or ride the way he did last night and get starts like he did last night, those guys won't see him because he's, you know, he's just going to be out front and, and put in good laps early and it's over. Uh, you go back through the seasons though. I mean, there were several seasons where I expected him to be your champ, you know, whether it was Justin Hill winning or whoever, uh, Shane just wasn't able to, to get it done. So that's really where he's got to change that this year. I do think he's in a great spot. You know, he changed pretty much everything. You know, he's on, um, you know, monster star Yamaha now, and we've seen how successful that team has been. I would have to say they probably have the best bike in the, in the class. Uh, Mitch Payton would probably argue that, but Hey, that's just my opinion without having ridden any of the bikes. You just go off of what you see and they have a really competitive package and they get their guys out front almost every single time. So good for him. Good for Shane. He's a really likable guy. Um, you know, I don't know him well, but I, I, I do like, you know, I like what I know about him and uh, I have no issues with watching him win. Uh, perfect day. Let's see how that translates into Dallas and the first triple crown that these get these, uh, East coast guys will face next up, uh, Shane or, uh, chase Sex, Sexton, excuse me. I don't know why I can't say his name. Uh, almost like Daniel Blair on the, uh, on the podium there, but chase Sexton had a really strong day. And, uh, I, I was curious to see what he would bring to Tampa. You know, he had a collarbone injury just not too long ago during the holidays, and I didn't know if that would set him back or where he would be, but he really came out swinging uh, from the first lap of the first untimed qualifying session. He looked like a different guy to me, and that was really my biggest takeaway from him. You know, great. He got second. It's awesome. Be on the podium, all that great start, etc. But I was more impressed by just his overall approach to the day, both mentally and, you know, how he was executing laps. He was just so much more assertive than the rider I saw a year ago. And I'm sure there's a lot there. You know, it's age. It's the number one plate. You know, he feels like he belongs. Uh, I know he's made mention several times that they've come a long way with that motorcycle. And that's really what I saw from him on the day was that all of those things were coming together. And you could just, you could see it. You could see confidence in his riding. And that's, that's really important for him as he progresses because from what I understand, HRC Honda has him penciled in for, you know, a 450 spot this summer as Justin Brayton exits the, uh, you know, for his summer schedule. And then he'll be a full-time 450, you know, factory Honda rider for 2021. So for him to take that next step, physically, mentally, and, and skill set wise was, was great to see. So we'll see how he factors in to this too, because he's going to want to get some wins. And, you know, he made mention on Steve Mathis's, uh, post rapes pulp casts that he wanted to put in some good laps at the end of the race, just to let Shane know that, Hey, I'm not going to roll over here. You know, like awesome. You won the first race, but if you think that's how it's going to be every time, you know, I have news for you. So we'll see if he's able to, to make good on that. But I always love to watch the the mind games back and forth between these guys. There is a lot to that, um, especially as the, you know, the younger the rider is, the more susceptible they are to uh, other people playing games and getting in their head or whatever. I think as you get older and you become more of a veteran, you kind of learn to tune all that stuff out and just kind of do your own thing. But in these 250 regional series, I do think it's a factor. So watch for that. Uh, speaking of a little bit older, 
Jeremy Martin, good job from him. Uh, I mean, obviously everybody loved to see him back. You know, it's, it's hard to root against him coming back from that really serious back injury. I mean, he exploded a few things in his back at Muddy Creek a couple years ago. So great return. And man, he came out swinging. He was crushing the sand berm on the very outside, uh, all day and all night. And you could just see how excited he was to be back racing. And that's cool, man. You, you love to see people get another shot. And you know, this, this is a guy that was working in a dealership a year ago, not because he had to, but because he was bored and he couldn't ride yet and, and wanted to do something. So to see him come back out there and immediately be competitive again and be a, a title contender is, is a pretty awesome storyline to watch. And, and certainly I'll be rooting for him. I have to give Garrett Marchbanks the most improved rider. Not that there's an award. I don't have a trophy, but he impressed me. Uh, he was one I had circled as just more questions, you know, more than anything, because last year wasn't that awesome. He had a lot of crashes and, and nor indoors nor out were really great. Really, the only flash I saw from him last season was at San Diego, and that was a full-on mud race. So I was curious to see, because I would assume he's in a contract here with uh, Monster Pro Circuit Kawasaki, and you know Mitch doesn't mess around, right? If you're not a guy that he thinks can win or at least be a podium contender, you're probably not going to stick around his team for long. So I'm sure that you know Garrett Marchbanks and his crew know that it's it's time to show up, and this is the year that he's got to produce results. And he rode like that. He rode like he has something on the line, and he's got to make good on it. So. That was good to see. Um, great riding, confident, aggressive, all of the things you would want to see in a guy that's, you know, just getting a couple years into the series and, and he has people counting on him now to provide results. Uh, kind of in that same breath, but a little bit, they're in different parts of their career, in my opinion, was Jordan Smith, right? That's Marchbanks' teammate on Monster Pro Circuit Kawasaki. And, you know, Jordan Smith's a guy that, could have, would have, should have won the 20, what was it? 2018, uh, East coast series championship that Zach Osborne won. And, you know, he crashed out like Zach crashed in the first turn. We all know the story, right? Um, Jordan crashed in the sand all by himself when it seemed like he had the perfect situation to wrap that title. So really long story short for Jordan, he's just, he's been in this spot. He's been a a title contender. He's been the rider that a team has their hopes on. And, and I would assume that's where Mitch Payton is at with Jordan is, Hey, this is your series to go win. We hired you to go win and you got to get it done. I think Jordan's coming in a little bit injured. I, I don't know what the status of that injury is, but I don't think he's a hundred percent. I could be a little off there. I don't have all the details, but I don't think he's at 100% full you know, preparation and, and everything firing on all cylinders. And it wasn't a bad night for him. Um, he made a couple mistakes and that cost him in the results for sure. But I think you're going to see Jordan be a factor in this before it's over. I think he'll have several podiums and I think he'll get a lot of good starts and, and be in the mix. Uh, so if you told him he was going to leave the first round with a fifth, I don't think he would be happy with you, but it's not the end of the world, right? It's, it's a fifth. It's not, you know, it, it wasn't a big crash. It wasn't some big mistake that's going to haunt him the rest of the series. He just got a little bit of work to do. And, uh, you know, these triple crowns, I think, kind of cater to his strengths. He's a good starter and a good sprinter. 
So maybe look for him to have a bounce back at, at Arlington this, this coming weekend. Sixth place was RJ, and I'm, I'm going, kind of going in order off the results, but leads me into what I wanted to talk about anyway. Uh, RJ was, he was good, but sixth place is certainly not what he wanted. And when you step back and you look at all of the factors, he had the fastest lap time in the main event, uh, but he also had, you know, key mistakes that hurt him. I mean, he was way back off the start. He then got caught up coming out of the whoops in the finish line section and couldn't get over the finish line. And that killed his, killed his chance for a result, right? And that 250 class, when you have guys as polished as McElrath and you have the defending champion Sexton riding well and Jay Mart, who's a, you know, a veteran at this point, you have to nail every detail. You can't make huge mistakes and you can't get terrible starts. You just can't do it. Those guys are going to be way gone. They're not going to give you that margin for error, you know, or else you're going to end up sixth and frustrated. So I'm sure they took things to, uh, to improve on, you know, you, that first round is always a learning experience and you figure out where you're good and bad. So I'm sure he'll work on that. And I'm assuming they'll do a million starts this week, you know, as everyone who got bad starts will, but I think, uh, you know, having the fastest lap is, uh, something that you can, you can look and say that, well, that's good, right? That's something, a silver lining that we can take in Arlington with confidence. And that's where everybody's going to be doing this week is what can we take to build from and what can we work on that wasn't so good? Uh, I definitely want to mention Brian Moreau. Um, I saw his crash in the very first untimed session. I mean, it was like literally the second lap, man. And it was one of the ugliest crashes I've ever seen. I don't know the extent of his injuries. I know it's not a good situation though. And, uh, you know, I'm praying for him, whatever your beliefs are. Um, just be thinking about him because I don't think he's in a very good spot right now. And I don't think he has a lot of support stateside family wise. And you just feel for a kid that's that young, that's facing an uphill battle right now. So, um, I don't know, I don't know him at all, but I know what it's like to race overseas and I was very fortunate to never hurt myself far away from home. So I, my, uh, my heart and, and thoughts are with, with him, especially being such a, at a young age there. So, um, on a lighter note, uh, Joey crown for all of you fantasy players out there. Holy cow. What a great night for Joey crown. And if you followed this kid at all, uh, you'll know that his dad, Matt crown has been around the sport forever and ever uh, has done suspension and, you know, they're from Michigan and he's just a staple in the amateur racing scene. And Joey's, you know, he's, he was a team green amateur won a lot and then just was unable to make that next step, you know, to go with the kids like March banks and those guys, it wasn't a lack of talent. It was just one of those things where, Hey, you know, sometimes it's, it's a quicker transition for some more than others as they move into the pro class where everybody's good and everybody has good equipment. So he finally made good on it this weekend after lots of trying. I mean, that was his first main event ever, right? And, and it hasn't been, uh, a smooth run. I mean, last year I picked him several times for fantasy and it it never went well. I mean, he was a really frustrating rider to watch. And then you watch him go to Geneva supercross in Switzerland this past off season. He just crushes everyone. So you wonder if that was going to be kind of the light switch for him where he was just going to turn it on now. And you know, it seemed that way last night. I mean, for him to go out there and get an eighth place finish and he pretty much rode by himself 
in eighth place the whole time. I mean, it was, it was an impressive eighth. It wasn't handed to him. There wasn't a bunch of carnage that just left him as the only one out there. He absolutely earned it. So great job by him. I have nothing but uh, but kudos to give him, and and what a strong entrance to this 2020 season. So nice work from him. Uh, that's kind of my takeaways from the 250s. Uh, it was pretty straightforward. I still have McElrath as the favorite to win, but I, I'll be honest, I really liked what I saw from Sexton. I don't know that he has the very tip-top end speed that McElrath has, and I also wonder if he can consistently start with McElrath. Uh, those are really my two questions. But I will say, you know, as I mentioned before, Sexton took a huge step forward over 2019. And uh, I think he's going to continue to to gain confidence after a really strong opening weekend. So we'll get into the sponsors a little bit. Uh, Pirelli Tires, they won again this weekend. They were in France. Uh, La Capelle Mirival is uh, a track in France. And they're doing these, um, you know, these international warm-up races that most of the MXGP contenders will, will be at both, uh, Jeffrey Hurlings and Tom Vial. They both won today in their MX one and MX two or MXGP classes respectively. And, uh, yeah, you don't, you can't always assume what you're going to see, but those are pretty, pretty strong indications of what we're going to see once the series kicks off here at Matterly. So congratulations to Pirelli on winning again. And I'm sure they're anxiously awaiting this uh, MXGP series to kick off. They also had Jimmy Dakotas in the uh, the main event, and Jimmy was he was hurting pretty good. He had a big crash this week and was lucky to even be riding. So for him to steal a top 10 out of there, I'm sure he was happy with, and I'm sure Pirelli was happy with his effort too, riding through an injury this weekend. Brock Tickle was also making his triumphant return. He's a Pirelli, Pirelli-equipped rider. Uh, good job from him, fourth in the heat. 12th in the main event and he's I'm sure he's just trying to get his race legs back under him and you know he's been out for two years remember so uh, I'm sure there was a lot of things coming at him and scenarios that he hasn't dealt with and I'm sure it was an emotional return too. you don't go through the suspension and everything he did and get your shot on a factory bike at the last minute and then go out there and have a good night without it without running the range of emotions for him so nice job for Brock you know I I don't know of anyone who doesn't like Brock. Super nice guy, very likable, and uh, I was happy for him to have a, a strong opening weekend anyway. Uh, moving into Plum Creek Funding, my buddy Zach over there. Uh, if you have home loan or home finance, refinance, looking to buy a new home, any of those questions, um, obviously he's there to help. He is based in the the Denver metro area, um, but he's, he's a moto guy, and I think more than anything, he just wants – to know that there is someone in Moto that you can reach out to with these questions. They're expanding uh, the, the states that they're licensed in, but uh, even my, my buddy Jim was was talking with him about a refinance already. So if you have questions, reach out to me, reach out to Zach, and uh, we can at least get you pointed in the right direction at bare minimum. also want to bring up Blenzol. So Blenzol has some really cool stuff in the works. I've been mentioning the last few weeks that they are working on some serious stuff to get back into this, this whole racing scene, right? You know, this industry seating to me was kind of the first step of that. And I'm very proud to, to be that first step, but, um, they're going to be at Daytona for the vintage supercross. So all of you that are going, uh, I believe that is on Tuesday, uh, that replaced the ATV supercross that they used to have. They will be there. They are the, uh, the presenting sponsor of the two-stroke revival race at the 
Day in the Dirt South, which is at Dade City. For those of you who have never been to Dade City, uh, everyone in Florida knows Dade City. I mean, the track's been in, at the same place for, I don't know, 40 years, maybe longer, 50 years. And uh, just, you know, one of the staples of, of Florida motocross. And their Red Bull has taken their Day in the Dirt to the East Coast for the first time ever. So he's going to be the presenting sponsor for the two-stroke revival race there. Pretty cool deal. And uh, Michael Lessie is actually going to be on the Blenzall RM250 two-stroke there. So like I said, David over there at Blenzall, he's actively involved. He's he's reaching out to everybody and anybody just to get the Blenzall name back in you know the moto circles again. So I'm, I'm happy to be involved with that and happy to help him. Next up is uh, Works Connection. Next up is Works Connection and Eric Phipps and those guys over there. You want to talk about a grassroots motocross company? You know, they've been around since 1989 and, and Eric started working in his mom's garage, right? He's a moto guy and it all started from him not being able to buy the parts that he wanted for his motorcycle. So he said, screw it. I'm going to make my own. And then, uh, you know, some teams reached out to him. Steve Lamson was probably the start of that, but that's grown into products that, you know, HRC Honda are running. I mean, he's, he's been a part of most of the factory teams out there. Uh, you know, the bullfrog, bullfrog spas, smart top motor concepts team runs their stuff. And you know, the, the skid plate is really what I think I came to know works connection from, but the stuff is everywhere. I mean, it it is a true American motocross icon type company. So I'm proud to be, uh, associated with them as well. And Eric's just a great guy. And then finally fly racing. Uh, my job, as soon as I wake up tomorrow morning, I will be headed straight to the office. And then for the next 12 hours or so, everything that goes through my brain will probably be revolved around fly racing. And I wouldn't have it any other way. They gave me an opportunity when I stopped racing and I could never repay them for that. And on top of that, it's a great company and and we're really making great products. The formula helmet that we came out with a year ago, in my estimation, is the best helmet on the market. And I say that with a clear conscience. I do think there are some other good products out there, but I truly believe when you weigh all the factors, and I say weigh, I will use the word weigh there very strategically, because when you weigh all the factors, safety, helmet weight, looks, uh, I don't think you can find a better option than a fly racing formula helmet. So please check that out if you haven't already. Please visit our sponsors. And when you're making choices, just take this stuff in mind, right? These, these companies are reinvesting in the sport. These are all core motorcycle companies, even Plum Creek funding and Zach over there. He's a moto guy that, you know, he's, he's investing in this podcast because he wants to work with motor motorcycle people. You know, it's a pretty tight knit family, this moto world, whether it's Pulpamax or racer X or fly racing or any of the things that I work with, it's all family and we're all like-minded people. And we've probably all known each other in some facet or, you know, six degrees of separation from each other our whole life. So give those guys a look, but anyway, let's get back into the racing. It's enough of that. Uh, the 450 class, pretty interesting, right? I, I thought it was good racing. Um, we didn't see crazy battles at the front of the 450 class, but that's okay. It doesn't mean it wasn't exciting. We saw Adam Cincerillo jump out front again, which he's, kind of be making a habit and he's learning each time up there. But I will say what he did is what I feared is, you know, when people were making him a title threat 
nights like Tampa were what I feared would keep him out of that that talk. So uh, still a great race from him, great race from a lot of guys. Um, but I'm just going to jump into my power ranking as we discuss the the, uh, the 450 class because it leads in quite nicely. So 10th place this week, I have Justin Brayton. And, you know, a good race for Brayton. I'll start there. But he, he did lose some time and a few spots at the end. Um, he was fortunate with the, the penalty to Jason Anderson that he got one spot back. But he kind of ran around there in that seventh, eighth spot most of the main event. And then uh, Justin Barsha was able to get him with two laps to go. And he really had two rough laps near the end. And I missed it to see whether Barsha, you know, stuffed him or, or made contact or anything to force his way by. I knew he was following him for a long time, but I didn't see the pass. So I'm going to try to dig a little deeper and get to the bottom of that as we move through this week and see if, um, you know, if maybe Brayton made a mistake or Barsha just got aggressive there to, to, to make the pass happen. But Brayton, I have as your 10th place and, uh, good day, good day from Brayton. Not bad. You know, he's up there in times all day. I think he was eighth in time qualifying and that's really where we've seen him is in that seven to 10, most of the season. He's only had one finish outside of the top 10, and uh, that was at Oakland where he got a 13th. So pretty solid season, and I, I think it was really what HRC Honda had in mind was for him to to remain in that top 10 all year long. Another Honda is in ninth, and he's steadily moving up, is Justin Hill. Great ride from Hill. Fifth place, that's his best ride of the year, and I could be mistaken, but I think that's his best ride in a, a long time. I was going to say Tampa – but remember, Tampa's result wasn't what it could have been because he had that crash. But immediately, when you see him running around, the, you know what? He's top five at the end of the race. You think of two years ago at that Tampa race where it looked like maybe he was going to contend for a win or a podium. He didn't quite have that. You know, it wasn't that flashy battling for the lead type Justin Hill. But it was certainly a better Justin Hill than we've seen where he's, you know, 9, 10, 11. Solid, but not not at the front, right? My question is, is there a correlation? Because this track and this dirt was similar, or it was the same dirt, I'm sure, as two years ago. There was a little bit more traction this year. I, th- I think they managed the dirt a little bit better this year than they did two years ago. But in the main event, it was still slippery. Um, it wasn't quite as slick as I mentioned, but I wonder if those things come into play for Justin Hill because he is a fair, a very finesse based rider. He has incredible technique, incredible skill set, and when the track becomes more difficult, that really plays into his favor. Uh, when you have to be careful with throttle control and you really have to be mindful of your inputs as a rider, uh, he seems to shine. And that this track this weekend was very much that. The sand was super tricky, and you had to be very skilled on the motorcycle to get through there efficiently. And then the traction in the main event wasn't so good. So if you just got in there with a throttle jockey and we're hammering on the throttle, that that was not going to work, right? It, it, you're just going to get a lot of wheel spin and not really accomplish much. And he is a rider that is able to find traction with, uh, when others can't. And I, you could see it in his riding. He's just so smooth and so calm and he flows through the corner so nicely uh, that I think it really works for him on tracks like that. So good ride from him. Nice to see him, you know, getting better. I don't know Justin Hill at all. I don't even know that I've ever had a conversation with Justin Hill. Um, but I respect his skill on a motorcycle and 
he's obviously worked on his fitness and he's, he's put hard work in this off season because on a track that tiring and that demanding, you cannot get fifth place without doing a lot of hard work. So the result speaks for itself. And, uh, I have a lot of respect for people who are able to diagnose a weakness and work on it. So nice work from him. Blake Baggett, I have an eight. And, uh, unfortunately Blake wasn't able to ride the main event. He's coming off of a podium at San Diego, which is why I still have him in the top 10 here. And I don't know exactly what went on. Um, that sounds ridiculous because I'm in that, that hauler all day. And I was in the hauler right before the main event. I mean, literally while the 450 main event was on the track, I was in the trailer. So something happened from the heat race crash. I know he wasn't feeling great, uh, from the crash. So he must've just started feeling worse is all I can tell you. I I don't know. I'm going to try to get some answers on it. I didn't really want to press the team on it because obviously they weren't, you know, it was a tough deal to miss the main event at your home race being of Tampa. So I'm sure there will get more insight on it. I hope he's okay. He was not at the semi when I went back after the race. Um, so yeah, we'll just have to wait and see on Baggett. Um, I don't think it was anything like a, a big injury because I talked to him after the, the heat race and he was, I'm going to put air quotes around. Okay. Uh, he obviously finished the heat and, and got back to qualifying position, but something went on. So, uh, yeah, kind of a weird deal, but hopefully we'll get some answers before Arlington and hopefully he can get back out there because they are still without Justin Bogle. And if for some reason Blake couldn't ride Arlington, I, I'm not quite sure what they would do. So we'll see. I have Mookie next up. Um, good ride for Mookie. I mean, he was solidly looking like he was going to be on the podium, uh, for a long time. And I say that knowing that fitness has been a question for Mookie in his career. And he's a rider that has definitely not gotten a podium in his career. And I don't think, I still don't think he has gotten a top five overall yet. Uh, maybe somebody checked that for him, but about, I don't believe so. Um, but this was, I mean, this was his best race to date and he showed he had the speed, you know, and I have mentioned in past industry seating podcasts that I've been waiting for the Mookie speed to show up. Well, I think we got it this weekend. I don't know if it was because James was there. I don't know if it was just the start, but he definitely looked like he was a little bit more spicy this weekend. So that's what I want to see from him. And I'm sure he doesn't care what I want to see, but I think for him to be his best self, he's got to find a way to blend those two things. He's got to blend the, the high level Mookie speed that maybe is, maybe he has to take chances to, to break that speed out, but he's got to get a little bit of it in there or else, you know, he's going to be riding around in 10th more times than not. So I thought he did a, a great job of bringing a little bit of that speed out, but then you know, fighting at the end, uh, he was dead tired folks. I mean, dead, dead, dead tired. He did blast Jason Anderson off the track in the last corner. Jason Anderson was on my fantasy team, so I wasn't thrilled about it, but, uh, Mookie certainly fought back at least for, for that spot to hold on to seventh in the last corner. And you know, he was, he had to be frustrated because he was even in, he even mentioned to Steve Mathis that he was really tired and just sucking wind at the end of the race. But Hey, you've got to put yourself up there. And every time you put yourself up there like that, it's going to get easier next time. And we're going into a triple crown and those races are shorter. So maybe Arlington is the race where he has a breakout and he's, he's actually battling for the podium, you know, at the end of those shorter races. So it's cool to see Mookie. I love having a revolving door of people at the front. 
and Mookie is certainly one of those guys that he breeds excitement. He has a huge fan base. Obviously, his brother is a legend of the sport. And Mookie's style, just he just attracts fans, right? People love watching that guy race. And uh, so I'll, t- I'll take it. Another guy up there. Next up, I have Barsha. And uh, he is your number six on the uh, industry seating power ranking. Not a bad ride, but keep in mind, Barsha was 14th on the first lap. So he fought back to seventh. It's all good. But at the same time, I think Barsha wants to be in the title contention, right? He's your Anaheim one winner. He got second in the second round. He was a red plate holder for two rounds. Uh, I don't think seventh is really satisfactory for him or his his expectations or just season-long um, goals. So he's going to have to clean that up. But again, I've said this week in and week out, that is where I kind of have him. Maybe not seventh, maybe more like fifth or sixth, but I don't know. It's It sounds so terrible. I hate sounding like that, but I, I think he is like the fifth or sixth best guy in the series. And I don't want that to sound negative. Um, I'm just looking at it on paper, and I'm going down the list of who's who, and that's where I have him. I have him fifth or sixth. So for him to be seventh is not really – it's not an anomaly. He just got a bad start and yeah, sorry, everybody at the front's really good. And he was still able to beat guys like Jason Anderson and Brayton and those guys. So it wasn't terrible, but if you're going to try to win the championship, you're now 20 points down and you're going to have to get back into that winning form. If you're going to make it happen next up, Jason Anderson, I mentioned him a couple times already, but he crashed early. He had a pretty decent start and then went down and then he had to fight basically back from last um, got all the way back to seventh and then Mookie blasted him literally off the track right before the whoops. And he just pinned it down the side of the whoops and then raced back in and, uh, passed Cincerillo back and almost got Mookie back. And, uh, I think, you know, the AMA and the FIM are like, uh, yeah, how about no on that? And they penalized him two spots for racing down the side of the track. So he ended up 10th on the night, which I'm sure he wasn't thrilled about. That's two rough weekends in a row for him. And it really put a dent in his points chase hopes. But, uh, I mean, the riding's fine. Not a, It's not a speed thing. It's not a riding thing. It's more of a situational thing. You know, you can't put yourself in a spot where Justin Brayton wants to clean you out in San Diego. And then you can't crash on the first lap, obviously. And then I'm sure he did something to aggravate Mookie as well. And that's why Mookie blasted him, you know, off the track and onto the start straight uh, on the last lap. It's just the same. It's the same situation as San Diego with Brayton. He rides aggressively and he aggravates riders around him. You know, I, I truly believe if that would have been, I don't know, Justin Hill, Justin Brayton, uh, pick anybody that was – had passed Mookie on the last lap. I don't think Mookie would have. Been, I don't think he would have been as aggressive. I think, or I think Jason Anderson rides in a way that if people get to take a shot at him, they're going to. And I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not. There's that absolutely Jason Anderson's prerogative to race however he wants to. I just think that's what you the situation you create is when people have an angle on you and people have their their chance to get back at you. They're going to do it, and it's. It's really difficult to win a championship, which he did. He did in 2018, but it's difficult week in and week out to avoid incident when people are looking to take a shot at you. So just my two cents. You could disagree. I don't care. It's whatever. It's just my opinion. 
but I've seen it for a long time. Guys that avoid controversy and avoid incident usually have pretty clean weekends. So, um, look at Ken Roxon, for example, you never see Roxon take shots at people. Well, I'd say ever, but very, very rarely. And you never really see people take shots at Roxon back either, right? Roxon races super clean with people and people respect that and give it back to him very cleanly. Um, I think there's something to be said for that as far as a 17 round series goes. Anyway, AC, I have at four and great race for AC, super strong. I mean, he was crazy fast at the beginning, which is what AC does. But the questions remain for AC is, can he put it together for 21 minutes? I don't know. I think he will eventually. He's, he's going to win something. I would not be shocked at all to see him win one of these triple crown main events we have upcoming in Arlington, but the same kind of issues that have always been around for AC and Supercross popped up again in Tampa this weekend. You know, great, great race, great pace, great start, but one little mistake cost him. And, uh, you know, instead of being an easy second place, in my opinion, well, maybe not easy, but I I believe he would have got second. I believe he would have held Cooper Webb off. He ends up ninth instead. So, you hope he learns, or I do anyway. Um, he adds a lot of excitement, though, so I hope you know he, he can stay up there and keep getting these good starts regardless of what the result is, and I believe he will. He's so talented, and he's a great starter. Um, it's just something in his game he's got to clean up, especially long-term. If he wants to be you know, a champion in this class, you can't give away points like that. You can't take a very good, solid night, good points. You know, Second place is 23 points. You can't crash and turn that into a ninth place. That's just it's too costly. Can't do it against guys like Tomac and, and Cooper Webb, especially. So, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens for, for AC moving forward. But there were others out there that really thought AC would be a, in the title fight this year. I really wasn't there. I just thought we would see too many nights like Tampa. Um, but listen, we're not halfway. We're not even halfway through yet. So there's a lot of this story that still has to be told. Third spot, I have Ken Roxon, and uh, good night for him. You know, he's on the podium in the main event. He did crash, though. Uh, so you look at it as a series. He lost a red plate. You know, whatever. He's only four points out. But don't you feel like the just the narratives changed a little bit with Kenny? I mean, leaving Glendale, it was like, oh, snap. You know, Ken Roxon is for real, and, and he is for real. There, there's... I don't want to take that away from him, but I think there was a a conversation from a lot of people about Kenny turning the corner, right? He had kind of put the the ghost of Eli Tomac behind him. He bested him three out, you know, three out of three times, and you just felt like maybe that was maybe Kenny had finally arrived. You know, he got that big win at St. Louis, but Glendale to me was much more telling. And then since then, it hasn't been bad. I mean, San Diego was rough, and and we'll all admit that. But this weekend wasn't bad. But at the same time, the two guys that you're worried about, Cooper Webb and Adam Cincerillo, they both beat you again. And that's not what you want, right? You need to to put those guys at least in your rear view. I'm not saying you have to win the races, but you want to beat those two guys because I really think this title, and, and this isn't breaking news, they're top three in points, but... It's going to come down to those three. And the way I see this going right now, I think it's going all the way to Utah because 
I don't see any of those guys cracking, you know, hopefully everybody stays healthy, but he's going to have to win some races and he's going to have to find a way to beat those guys consistently. So I'm sure he knows that. I'm sure I'm not telling him anything he and his team don't already know, but, uh, it's a little curious to see him make that mistake there and, uh, yeah, just give away a few more points. But when you look at who's ahead of him, yeah, it's not an easy task. I mean, Cooper Webb, super solid, right? He, he didn't win the race, but he was great all day long. I mean, confident, aggressive, all the things that you want to see from a guy. Uh, I picked him to win the race. You know, we do this fly racing radio show at our WPS and fly racing activation areas. So if you're at a supercross, please come by. They are uh, right after the last practice of the day. Uh, but at that show, we always make our predictions and I picked Cooper Webb to win just from what I'd seen throughout the day. He was so confident, so aggressive. And I just, I loved everything about it. I thought he would get the whole shot and I just thought he would manage the race. He was not able to do that, but still he closed down the lead to seven seconds. And I'm sure Tomac was just kind of cruising, but Webb is, he's rock solid right now. And it's an 11 point gap, which like I mentioned with rocks and we're not even halfway. So I don't, I don't even think the points matter so much when you're talking about, you know, something as small as 11 points. I just really like what I am seeing from Webb, And I don't know if he's going to win this title or not, but I absolutely believe that it's going to Utah. We're going to be uh, early May going into Salt Lake and Cooper Webb is going to be very much in this, this fight for the main event to win that title. Um, so whatever they did testing wise before San Diego, it's absolutely made a difference. Your number one guy, that's Eli Tomac. Great job from him. I mean, what else can you say? He won the main event. Um, you know, when he was behind Adam Cincerillo, uh, my parents were there and I was sitting with my mom and dad and I, I kind of told my dad, like, he's just going to wear Adam down here. You could see he wasn't really, uh, there was no panic. There was no urgency even. I think he was looking around and seeing Mookie in third, which, you know, for 21 minute race, I don't think he views Mookie as a really big threat. So I think he was just being patient based on the situation he was, he was given. And when you have Adam in front of you, who's a 450 rookie and you have Mookie behind you, who's, you know, just trying to get in that top five in a main event, that's a pretty comforting situation, I think. So he was letting the race unfold and, uh, you know, they started getting, you know, getting into the laps there and he started upping the ante a little bit and, uh, you know, finally was able to make a move on Adam, but I really liked his approach to the race. He just, you know, kind of let it happen. And when you've rent won as many races as Eli Tomac has, you know, he's up over 30 now, you know what to do, right? If you don't make a big mistake yourself and you're battling guys with nowhere near the experience you have, that's a very favorable favorable situation to put yourself in. So he handled the, the, the race like a, a champion would, like a guy who's won 30 plus races would. And I don't want to say it was easy for him, but kind of was right. He, he just kind of went through the motions and yeah, he's obviously riding as hard as he can, but I didn't see him have to do anything over the edge to make it happen. Um, I think as everyone is, he was probably, just waiting for Adam to sort himself out because Adam's sprint speed at the beginning of these races is really, really fast. Um, maybe the best in the sport. 
And I don't think that Eli wants anything to do with that at the beginning. I'm not saying that, that Eli can't go with him or couldn't go faster, but going that fast early in the race, there is an inherent risk there, right? That you're always taking chances to sprint that hard. You're pushing the edge of traction everywhere. You're probably sending it a little bit more in the whoops than you'd like to. And, uh, I don't think Eli felt the need to do that. And that's why you saw Adam pull a little bit of a gap at the beginning. But I think Eli knows from watching Adam a lot that in a couple laps, Adam's going to kind of calm down, right? And he's going to fall into his race pace, which I think Eli is very comfortable with the race pace. And then he can start to, to eat away at that gap and then eventually make a pass. So that's kind of what I saw from Eli's race. He played it, you know, played it to perfection. And, uh, yeah, that's why he put 26 points up on the board. That's why he has your red plate. And that's probably why he was smiling all the way back to Colorado this week. So great job from him. Uh, Kellen over at racer X kind of figured it out that I, he's only had the red plate for three weeks in his career, right? So this is a big deal for him to, to have the red plate and, I certainly don't want to say he's in control of the series because I think it's way too wide open for that, but to have the red plate and to be your points leader, uh, that's a pretty big deal and pretty awesome for him. We are going into Arlington though, and I don't know if Arlington means anything other than Eli's had some horrific, horrific Arlington races. So we'll see what happens. Last year was the epic meltdown where he went to 12th. If he can get through Arlington, and put a win on the board or at least a very strong podium finish up there, I will feel much better about this. And, and there could be nothing to the Arlington thing, right? It was just a race last year where, as I mentioned last week on this podcast, I don't know what he was doing. I have no answers for what was going on in that, that main event. So it's a triple crown, you know, three starts, three chances, um, for good or for bad. Uh, but I'll, I'm curious to see how he responds and how all these guys respond, right? Kenny won your triple crown at Glendale. So maybe Kenny gets back in there. I do think that it's, this is a week to week series. Uh, I don't think you can draw any hard conclusions because if you'd have done that at any race this year, you'd probably be wrong the next weekend, right? It's it just changed that much week in and week out. I mean, Webb went out there and he showed those guys what was up at San Diego, right? Eli was not able to catch up. He passed Adam. And he was, you know, the consummate champion that was able to make it happen. Then Eli goes out there this weekend and does exactly the same thing that Cooper Webb did at San Diego. Flashback to, to Glendale, and that was Ken Roxon that looked like he had, you know, everybody's number and he had the playbook to, to execute. So I don't think it's wise to make any hard conclusions or think that we know exactly what we're going to see. And that's great. That's great for everybody. That's great for the fans. Um, it's exciting for us to watch. And um, yeah, there's a long way to go in this series. So cool stuff there. Um, lots of storylines. And it's it's going to be a fluid situation. I still do think we're going to see some, some unexpected winners get in there. I don't think Blake Baggett is done um, as far as winning. I hope he's okay. I, I seriously don't know what his status is even for Arlington. But I, I, I think he has a chance to win a race this year. From the speed I've seen from him, he's been arguably the fastest guy at certain points of every weekend. So I think it's all going to come together for him at some point. Um, 
you know, you, you want to think Mookie has a shot at one of these triple crown main events. If he can get a start, I'm sure he gained a lot of confidence last week. I don't think Jason Anderson is out of contention for a win either. He probably would have won that triple crown main event that they red flagged. Um, I didn't see really anybody near him that was going to beat him and he was already out front. So there are still guys that can get up here and win. You know, I don't know that, I don't know that Barsha will win again. Maybe I shouldn't say that, but he's already got one. So getting up to that six, seven, eight winners in a season, I love to see that. And I, I think we really do have a shot at it. So this weekend coming up, Triple Crown again, as I mentioned a few times, um, it really changes the dynamic of the day and the weekend. Uh, I personally love them. I know it's a very controversial topic for the teams and the riders, but as a pure fan, and I don't have any responsibilities as far as the workload or any of that stuff goes, I can't wait to get back to a Triple Crown this weekend. So I'll talk to you next Sunday. We'll review the Arlington Triple Crown, and uh, again, Thank everybody for listening. I have been compiling emails for a question segment, and I'm going to do that again next weekend. Um, I apologize for not doing it this weekend, but I had a lot to talk about with the 250 East um, opener. So if you have questions about the 250 series or just in general, I have been saving them all. I do read them and I do appreciate them. And all the feedback you guys have been giving me has been awesome. Really love uh, just the, the nice comments and everything. It, you know, as I've mentioned every single weekend, it does mean something, you know, whether it's myself or Wygan or Steve, right? We're all, we're putting ourselves out there every single week and we're just fans like you guys are, you know, we all, I raced. Yes, but I'm just a fan now, you know, I'm just watching this stuff and, um, to, to know you guys are listening and it's entertaining for you guys is, is cool. So thanks again. Talk to you next Sunday. See ya.